Chapter Three of The Devil in Iron by Robert E. Howard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three. In the darkness before dawn, an unaccustomed sound disturbed the solitude that slumbered over the reedy marshes and the misty waters of the coast. It was not a drowsy waterfowl, nor a waking beast. It was a human who struggled through the thick reeds which were taller than a man's head. It was a woman, had there been anyone to see, tall and yellow-haired, her splendid limbs molded by her bedraggled tunic. Octavia had escaped in good earnest, every outraged fiber of her still tingling from her experience in a captivity that had become unendurable. Jehungir's mastery of her had been bad enough, but with deliberate fiendishness Jehungir had given her to a nobleman whose name was a byword for degeneracy even in Kaharazim. Octavia's resilient flesh crawled and quivered at her memories. Desperation had nerved her climb from Jalal Khan's castle on a rope made of strips from torn tapestries and chance had led her to a picketed horse. She had ridden all night, and dawn found her with a foundered steed on the swampy shores of the sea. Quivering with the abhorrence of being dragged back to the revolting destiny planned for her by Jalal Khan, she plunged into the morass, seeking a hiding-place from the pursuit she expected. When the reeds grew thinner around her, and the water rose about her thighs, she saw the dim loom of an island ahead of her. A broad span of water lay between, but she did not hesitate. She waded out until the low waves were lapping about her waist. Then she struck out strongly, swimming with a vigor that promised unusual endurance. As she neared the island, she saw that it rose sheer from the water in castle-like cliffs. She reached them at last, but found neither ledge to stand on below the water, nor to cling to above. She swam on, following the curve of the cliffs, the strain of her long flight beginning to weigh her limbs. Her hands fluttered along the sheer stone, and suddenly they found a depression. With a sobbing gasp of relief she pulled herself out of the water and clung there a dripping white goddess in the dim starlight. She had come upon what seemed to be steps carved in the cliff. Up them she went, flattening herself against the stone as she caught the faint clack of muffled oars. She strained her eyes and thought she made out a vague bulk moving toward the reedy point she had just quitted, but it was too far away for her to be sure in the darkness, and presently the faint sound ceased, and she continued her climb. If it were her pursuers, she knew of no better course than to hide on the island. She knew that most of the islands off that marshy coast were uninhabited. This might be a pirate's lair, but even pirates would be preferable to the beast she had escaped. A vagrant thought crossed her mind as she climbed, in which she mentally compared her former master with the Kozak chief, with whom, by compulsion, 
she had shamelessly flirted in the pavilions of the camp of Fort Agori, where the Hyrcanian lords had parlayed with the warriors of the steppes. His burning gaze had frightened and humiliated her, but his cleanly elemental fierceness set him above Jalal Khan, a monster such as only an overly opulent civilization can produce. She scrambled up over the cliff edge, and looked timidly at the dense shadows which confronted her. The trees grew close to the cliffs, presenting a solid mass of blackness. Something whirred above her head, and she cowered, even though realizing it was only a bat. She did not like the look of those ebony shadows, but she set her teeth and went toward them, trying not to think of snakes. Her bare feet made no sound in the spongy loam under the trees. Once among them the darkness closed frighteningly about her. She had not taken a dozen steps when she was no longer able to look back and see the cliffs and the sea beyond. A few steps more, and she became hopelessly confused and lost her sense of direction. Through the tangled branches not even a star peered. She groped and floundered on blindly, and then came to a sudden halt. Somewhere ahead there had been the rhythmical booming of a drum. It was not such a sound as she would have expected to hear in that time and place. Then she forgot it as she was aware of a presence near her. She could not see, but she knew that something was standing beside her in the darkness. With a stifled cry she shrank back, and as she did so, something that even in her panic she recognized as a human arm curved about her waist. She screamed, and threw all her supple young strength into a wild lunge for freedom, but her captor caught her up like a child, crushing her frantic resistance with ease. The silence with which her frenzied pleas and protests were received added to her terror, as she felt herself being carried through the darkness toward the distant drum which still pulsed and muttered. End of chapter 3